0: Welcome to my first in-person episode, where I sit down with Morten Therkildsen, Director of Safety at Roskilde Festival in Denmark. We caught up at the EBIT 2023 conference in Cologne, where we both presented. I was there on behalf of the Global Car Management Alliance speaking about Zone X, and Morten spoke about the meaning of and how we use the words safety and security especially as in some languages they are the same word. We sat down for a quick chat to capture the essence of what we learned over the two days. As this is recorded live in the Ryan Energy Stadium, there are background noises of talking, bottle crates, and the football club's mascot reminding us of session start times. This is a casual conversation between two members of the Global Crab Management Alliance, hopefully demonstrating the importance of international exchange, something which the EBIT and the GCMA champion and facilitate. I hope you enjoy we are at ibit 2023 i'm with morton Tel kind of got that right yeah i think i did okay perfect. we're yeah. gonna go yeah. with that <laughs> um and we're doing what are we doing we're just having a quick bit chat a little bit of a chat to capture our discussions from the last few days I think, because it's really great to talk about it now while it's still fresh in our heads. Yeah. Um, And from my perspective, there's been so much that I've learned. It's
1: been amazing. Yeah. Really, really good, yes.
0: Yeah. Um, What, what for you, are you coming away from this with?
1: Um, I think the first thing is to keep on being humble, understanding that there is a lot we do not know. Mm. And for every presentation you go into you learn new things. I really, really like the the go-through of Love Parade um, the understanding of the challenges, the idea of proximal risk and distal risk mm. because we have been looking at oh, it's the police cordons and stuff like that but actually it's something completely else that led to it and it's not necessarily what they did on the day but it's more yeah. maybe organizational-wise um, and then also some clear tools and like 1.3 percent per square meter if they're moving around. I think that was quite nice actually. Yeah. Um, I like your presentation with the whole idea of Zone X. Um, I think we can spend more time on that in general which also the Love Parade then shows because that's a Zone yeah. X problem yeah. basically. Um, yeah, it's, it, I think it's been very good. Yeah. And we are not done yet. There's I know, still, there's still so much yeah. more. And your yeah.
0: your talk as well. I mean, um, as we heard uh, yesterday, you are the head of everything uh, at yeah. Roskilde.
1: <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> that's, that's my new uh, title. title. Yeah. Um,
0: but um, one of the things I think with the, the Love Parade, uh, the way uh, Professor Jorgen went through, he went through the presentation in a way that it allowed us to have that back and forth conversation. So it was like this, like, okay, this happened, now what? And he's asking us, you know, in the the, the audience, like, what would you have done? What would you do? What decisions would you do? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was really important because I want to know, am I making a decision that I think is right and actually it's causing something bad to happen? But then when we go through the whole thing, realizing that actually from our perspective, when we plan the event, our first pass analysis of is the site fit for purpose? Do we have, you know, ingress and egress in different locations? So, would we've even had that event, knowing what we know now, with all the skills and training mm. experience we have, um, would we've even had it there? You know, that's the, the the kind of question. So that was, but back in twenty ten, would we've had the skills, training, experience, and qualifications back then yeah, to have I made those decisions?
1: Back in twenty ten, I just finished my bachelor degree from box and crowd, uh, crowd safety management and I th- that was the highest degree at that point you could have. Mm. Um, I just this summer finished my master's in crowded places public safety management at Coventry University um, and that was quite interesting because that was more organizational, the idea of, of how you set up your organization and I think That was interesting about the the love parade because it's very organizational Mm. and it also comes down to do the promoters want to actually know what's going on or what challenges, or is it really driven by we need we want this event to go on?
0: Yeah,
1: Um, do the people who plan it uh, understand what they plan?
0: Yeah,
1: is there a proper line of discussion about the challenges or is it more I present how I do it and if the authorities as an example who is checking you doesn't have the competence to check you then as long as it looks good then it must be good. Exactly. All of this I think and and that's what my masters was a lot about which I found amazing so yeah in 2010 we didn't have the knowledge we had some knowledge at that point yeah, um, because the first bachelor cohort actually just came out and uh, so there were some knowledge but then again it's it's different knowledge right
0: yeah, yeah. and you know back in well, 2007 <laughs> <laughs> this is the goat the telling <laughs> us we have <laughs> to go back into a session right? <laughs> <laughs> we are being herded by goats yeah um so the in 2010 so in 2007 I was leaving school and I was doing my bachelor's degree in event management and that was the first, one of the first event management courses that existed in the UK. And even though there was a health and safety aspect of it, there wasn't a crowd management module. So we're, we're kind of seeing that the the evolution of us as crowd safety practitioners is really kind of starting to ex, you know um, grow from that point onwards.
1: Yeah, but I, I also think the pessimistic side of me, right? I fully agree. Yes, it's growing. But then the first presentation with Figen Mori about mm. Martin's Law is one of the challenges we then see as crowd managers. Because it's a lot easier focusing on the challenges of uh, terrorism yes. because there's a pure enemy. This yes. is what went wrong, therefore you should have protected it. It's very simple. Yeah. Where looking at the Love Parade is so complex it's so many things, if that happened maybe that would have influenced it um, and I think um, my master's was about safety and security where security is like protecting people against the intention of harm and that's what the police are actually there for which means that it's a lot easier to have legislation about security things yep. than crowd management. Yeah. So I think that's one of the challenges.
0: Um, and you, you're touching on something really important here, because, yes, when, when it comes to counterterrorism it's very easy to find that um, the, the cause of the problem, you know, because it was one person, or, you know, one person detonated a, a, a bomb, for example. Whereas in these kind of complex disasters, it's a myriad of causes and conditions that have come together, and if you remove one of those conditions, um, would, it, would that disaster have happened? And so that, from the perspective of, Legal cases and, and, and prosecution and suing it makes it very hard to find out who the yeah. the cause is. Who's but then blame? who's to blame? And then but then if you if you look back, it, because events are also deeply political, mm-hmm. no. and, there's, <laughs> no. and there's many reasons why. Um, <laughs> the gold is back. <laughs> yeah. um, so the 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 politics that push us to put on an event, and politics get involved in events far more than people realize and force events to happen when they're probably not safe to do so.
1: Well you, you are not having a World Championship or Olympics or a Tour de France uh, without the Prime Minister signing for it. Yeah. So yeah they, yeah, they really get involved. The yeah. Tour de France uh, Grand Depart in Denmark last year uh, was organized by the government and mm. organized by cities And the city where I come from, uh, the city wanted to arrange everything themselves, which actually meant that they were licensing themselves. Yes. So that's a little weird, I think. Um, And the people who are licensing us were actually the people who were on the planning side, where sometimes you would feel like, okay, hang on, if I give you my safety concept, can you then just copy whatever you want into that event? because now you're my competitor. Now you're not an individual person from the licensing authorities. So yeah, it's a, it's massively political oh, yeah. with a lot of things, which we also, to be fair, place the other way around sometimes because it also gives us, we are very large festival. It mm. also gives us a little bit of power. When mm. we see some challenges, we can also go in and push on the political side. So that's also a part of it, but yeah, it it, it is very and Love Parade was very political, mm. and anti-terrorism is very political, and uh, it's really, really challenging, yeah. all of it, right?
0: And it just, I, I think for me, it's, it's realizing, like you said at the very start of our chat, that there's so much we do not know, mm. and it just makes me more aware of how much I do not know, and actually, more aware that it's you know when i first started in the industry i just wanted to plan events and make people happy and i still do want to make people happy and that's the purpose of why i i I do events but kind of this understanding that this the the industry is this like evolving beast that is becoming more and more and more complex Mm -hmm. and i know that emma parkinson is her her phd she's studying the, the this um that that concept because we we know the nuclear and the aviation industry are complex industries yes yes yet we as the events industry don't have that structure or support we're kind of still left out on our Mm. own you know growing so i feel like we're really in the middle of something that's kind of exponentially changing very fast
1: yeah we there's the expression of high reliant organization which is the airline industry and oil and whatever you mentioned there and, and the idea of a high-reliant organization is that you have to know what you're doing. You have to be able, every single person must be able to act yeah. immediately because otherwise it can evolve. And, mm. Hey, look at our, look at uh, an event, look at Love Parade, look at whatever. We are supposed to be high-reliant uh, organizations, yeah. but we aren't. Mm. I mean, we, we work with, well, bare minimum trained staff or... Some of it might be highly trained. We we develop all the time. It it's um, it's a massive amount of information we need to get, and we jump from uh, event to event. Yeah. So it's it's not like we we plan one event that runs all the time. Morden um, Tanning Venlo wrote a, a a working paper, academic paper about. Uh, Creating that resilience in a regenerating organization. Mm-hmm. So it's about how Roskilde Festival actually managed to create a high-reliant organization, or at least try to, when they regenerate every year. Mm. And that's actually quite interesting because that's one of our massive challenges. Yeah. We and and if you're a company that jumps from one event to the other, well, quite often you're too busy to actually go into the details where if you are one-off festival you you might not be able to develop yourself in the way that you have a training platform to do Mm. other things and then you just focus on that festival and then you end with that very narrow-minded oh this works for me yeah but did it work or were you just lucky Mm. my combination in my position is that we we both have a um, the uh, the festival, yep. but we also run a company where we provide services for other clients. Mm-hmm. And that's a very good combination because that also means that all, a lot of my staff can actually do a lot of work during the year and then they come in. So we run the festival with our own staff and they're all volunteers. Yep. That's how Which we run amazing. it, yeah. <laughs> because we're a charity organization. So. Um, but but I need them to not just be somebody who shows up and do four or five or six days. Mm. But I need them to, I need to trust them. I need to know that they are trained. I need to know what they're able to do. That works by doing it the other way.
0: Yeah. And you've got that what, because they're also continuing to do other events, it means that when it comes to the, the festival the next year, you know, they're not dusting off the cobwebs. They're yes. ready. They're resilient. They're they're trained. They've got yes. the recent, um, you know, so they're kind of, they're, 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 they're ready for the, for the um, you know, just like an athlete. An athlete yeah. doesn't just sit around all year. They're yeah. training, they're practicing, and making sure they're ready for the Yeah,
1: and then you the can say, event. in UK you will just buy a company to come in and do it, yeah, but they also jump really high. And then often you have the other challenge of different cultures, because you might need different companies to come together, and they are differently trained, they have different cultures, and that's what you see under the tip of the iceberg, right? Mm. <laughs> Um, so, so it looks like everything is perfect, but is it really? Mm. Because you actually made it a little more complicated for you, yeah. because now you think that you know what you're doing, but actually the other guy might know something else, and oh yeah. It's a lovely thing we're working with, that. Huh?
0: It is. A, I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. Sometimes I do sit there going, should I have? Being a gardener instead. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I started out as an air traffic controller, so I think it's actually uh, close Molly. to the same, and uh, and I work from. That must uh, have been
0: very stressful. Although you do work in events.
1: Yeah. That must have been really. St- yeah, it's it's a different job. Was it fun? So, well, well sometimes. Okay. The, it's. I think it's like ours. It's a very high, uh, high mm, position where there's a lot of pressure put on you and. Uh, and yeah, it's a good position, but, but also sometimes it's not. And from yeah. there, and I moved more into the airline industry and then into shipping and all of these things. So I've done a lot of weird things. And, and all of it has been about management and compliance.
0: Mm. And
1: this is actually what we're doing. It's about compliance. If you write that you're doing something, you have to do it. How do you make that happen? Yeah. And I think that's what Love Parade actually shows. You, you say you do something. Do you really do it? Do you really know how you do it? If mm. you look at the Figen Morris presentation where she was also saying uh, you might say that your company, uh, your staff are trained, but are they really trained in a way where they know how to implement it? Yeah. Are your supervisors creating that atmosphere of, hey, come to me. I'm here to help you. Um, some supervisors and managers are task oriented, mm. where actually you need to be individual. Uh, or team oriented, say, Hey, I'm here to lead my team. Yeah. I'm here to help you out. But if they're more task oriented, they might give out orders, and that makes a young 18, 19, 20 year old person maybe a little more not willing mm. to say, I didn't understand what you were saying. Yeah.
0: Uh, and that's, yeah, and that's a huge. Your plan that's on paper isn't worth anything if you don't deliver what it said but also if, it, if you're not you know there's so much that isn't on paper that we do or do not do based on our skills experience training qualifications and also the the inability of something to happen you know you can say oh well our, our site was completely fenced uh, but the next thing the fencing gets delivered and you're a couple of panels short uh, yeah. you've got a a gap or b a smaller site yeah. <laughs> you know so these things that happen in practice are going to have it's a huge shift from plan to you know to the event so yeah
1: Yeah, and if you run a a massive festival like we do uh, you can't see everything but actually this summer by coincidence i saw a sign that was completely wrong Mm. and it actually let people through a bottleneck so from our main state to our second state it grabbed a lot of the people and directed them into a bottleneck area where they weren't supposed to go through wow. basically because the sign was designed wrong so when you saw it from that angle you would see as that oh i have to go through these buildings but actually the sign was meant to say you have to go around these buildings but the arrows were wrongly angled and fortunately by, by coincidence i passed by early and say hang on this doesn't look right and mm. oh there's a lot of people in here and i immediately got it stopped with staff if I hadn't been there, the, f- the speed we're talking about, the people move and it expands, is massively. Yeah. So you might do a lot of planning and you might do a lot of things, but then you can't find every little detail when you're walking no. in a in a massive site. No. So you have to have that idea of trusting mm. people, uh, the idea of having a very fast organization that can really, if you say, I need staff, boom, then they're yeah. there to solve it. We're talking minutes, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Really, really. That's the scary part, right?
0: Yeah, and th- it goes back to the, the what I said yesterday in the talk about the um, the Jessup protocol in the UK, the Joint Emergency Services interoperability <laughs> protocol, um, because of the importance of knowing speed and accuracy are the two most important things um, when it comes to dealing with an with an incident or emergency mm. emergency plan and even though we always think about responding to incidents as a, it's always a, thrown in the bucket of emergency plans, but actually we're dealing with crowds. Anything is an incident, yeah. you know, where people are just kind of stuck queuing for the toilets and it rains. Like that is an incident that we yeah. need to already have a plan in place for how we respond to the type of incident is and, yes. and being able to respond fast and accurately. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: After our accident at Roskilde festival, um, the, uh, coroners wrote in the uh, district district attorney's uh, report uh, it was written that uh, under those circumstances where you have a crowd collapse uh, you have three to five minutes then you will die mm. that's what they wrote and and for me that mindset is a, oh man you have to be fast to make decisions yeah. and we've worked massively with that after Roskiller Festival with the yes group europe event safety group sharing knowledge uh, you're also dcma this is quite important but i'm realizing now looking at the uh, south korea thing and looking at love parade that crowd collapse i mean it, we're not talking about being pushed up against the wall but just basically crowd collapses mm. happens also in movement area and not mm. just in front of stages so in front of a stage, you put in the showstop procedures and all of these things, and that's why you can manage uh, interfering in maybe ninety seconds or whatever yep. you are aiming for. But in an uh, zone X arrival area where you didn't see the problem coming, Yeah. we are not talking ninety minutes, uh, ninety seconds. We are we are talking let's. Be fast and say ten to fifteen minutes. Well I mean, yeah. there on it's it's really, really maybe too late. Yeah. So um, yeah. It's scary to yeah. think of, right? Like, um, and
0: uh, even, you know, thinking about with the love parade and how where the where the incident happened and he said the you know, the density increased and we had the crowd turbulence, you know, when you've got that shift from people being able to control their body individually to, to moving as a whole. And he said there were the three sort of um, uh, goals that people had one was to climb the the container, one was to climb the the lamppost, and one was to get to the stairs yeah. and so the people who weren 't able to climb were you know the majority of the kind of wave of people were reaching towards the stairs and that 's where the um, uh, were the you know where, where, where the people died and so it's it's um, you, you put that into kind of a, a ingress and egress and zone x kind of perspective of like can you Pre mortem, <laughs> not post mortem, but pre mortem, that you know, you, you see your arrival, they arrive at the train station, they come to the venue. Is there an area in that 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 can happen? And, you know, and it goes back to that whole first pass analysis of, well, do we have cross flow? You know, mm-hmm. do you have that counter flow, or do you mm-hmm. have, um, I, I, is there something that the speed, density, or flow mm-hmm. changes that could allow that to happen? So f- with the, the the parade route, um, if the if people are following a parade and the trucks and the trucks are going at a certain speed, okay. Well, now your 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 flow rate, the speed is is restricted to um, this pace or this many people per minute. And if those trucks stop and then the density increases, then does that create um, this this crowd congestion because now you've got maybe people between a building and a and a truck? So now you're you know so it's it's trying to preempt that happening in something that is so changeable. As as zone X as ingress as egress the last mile
1: you know, yeah, and I think that's where you are in your your presentation was quite interesting. Uh, just the fact that you start with hey, we used to do this, but now it has a new name. It's called zone X, and therefore we know what we're doing. It, that's those smaller things. But zone X, isn't posh. It's not something we really want to spend money on. It's not something we really want to staff or anything like that or even spend our energy on because mm-hmm. it's not the real show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and if you look at the licensing terms in Denmark, it says within the fence is my responsibility outside the fence is the authorities. Oh, but it isn't because it's my audience and, mm-hmm. I, and I like the presentation you had where we could see the flow of people coming in and, and literally just guiding them even though they were just on a regular street getting to, yeah. to the place. Um, and that's what I think we need to do more but that's it we are not even good enough to do what we are supposed to do inside so mm. we're coming back to where is the limit where is the the amount of knowledge we must have and uh, and uh, one thing is do the promoters want to pay for it that's one thing yeah but the other thing is do we have the qualified people you said at uh, 2010 mm, there weren't okay we are way further ahead now, like you, other people having the masters in crowd science or all of these things. So yeah, we're in a different position now. Mm. Yeah, but it's also been more complicated to do it. And, and we, I think we are, we are challenged in finding the skilled people, even though we want to pay for them. Yes. That's my problem in Denmark. If I want to buy somewhere, hire somebody, yeah, good luck. Yeah. They do not exist. Mm. and the few that we are we are already working for one of the big promoters like me for Ascaldeo or whatever and so i basically have to go out and find a guy and then i need to train him myself because it's not a it's not an industry career mm. crowd management isn't an industry career yeah. yet where security is that's an industry career yeah, yeah but that's something else because it's against the intention of harm yes and therefore you will get a lot of anti terrorism professionals that's the easy part to be honest you just go out buy somebody there are a lot of people who are extremely skilled within it but crowd management mm, not really yeah so even if we want to do better maybe we can't
0: yeah we're 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 restricted in the limitations of where where we are today. Yeah, and yeah. then we
1: come back to the only thing we learn from history is that we learn nothing from, from history. history.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's thinking of, you know, it, like we're looking back to 2010, okay, look ahead to, you know, like 2030. Is something gonna happen between now and 2030 that today we didn't know was a problem or a risk?
1: Yeah, let, let's just look at the uh, corona, right? Yeah. The everlasting story. Um, if you look at the last years of development, 2017, 18, 19, those years, our industry, the live entertainment industry, massively rose. It was really growing so many percent. Then it completely died. If it completely dies, people will leave the industry. Yeah. We didn't start off as saying, okay, hang on, let's go back to 2010 or 2015 and restart slowly again. No, we jumped right back to in taking the 2019 and then adding additional percentage uh, i just saw live nations oh we made so much money last year well hang on was that a good idea mm. were you really supposed to or did you just put pressure mm. on the whole industry instead of restarting yeah because they are lacking money and they are saying next year we are to 2024 we are gonna grow again with a two-figure percentage amount well where are they going to get the staff from? Mm. And let's say we could get the staff, but do we have the qualifications, the competence for the people who are supposed to plan it? Yeah. Or are we planning shows that we actually shouldn't run? Oh yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a lot more than just nice presentation, understanding the flow rates, and uh, ah, there's new law coming in. It is really, really a whole industry and a whole organizational challenge. Yeah, um.
0: do we have the basics right? I mean, if we if we were to look at a calendar of events in a country in a given year and go, right, take out all of the people who, you know, in the UK we just had the, the, the BBC uh, report into the sham training, so people having uh, security licenses when they um, don't have the competency or haven't actually been trained, or have passed the test to get that license. Um, So if we take everyone who doesn't have the the, SAFE competency to deliver the role of a steward or security at an event, remove all of them from the picture, and then still look at that calendar events, how many of those events will have to be removed from the calendar? Because actually, we cannot deliver that event safely with the competency of the people that we actually have in the country.
1: And how many countries can actually create SAFE events? Mm. i mean it 's called Global Crowd Management Association, but what is a crowd manager? Mm. Does it just mean I work with crowds then i 'm a crowd manager that 's not defined anywhere
0: yes and the the defini- i mean the the definition of crowd safety crowd management crowd science crowd control i mean we're you know i 'm writing these definitions in in some of the articles that I write but i 'm taking them from prune or taking them from Professor still in the kind of research, but you know, are there agreed definitions? Do we all need to call ourselves mm. crowd managers? Do we
1: but even yeah. if we have an agreed definition, because mm. I think we can fairly, you and I and a lot of other people can fairly agree what it's about. We mm-hmm. might divert a little bit. I'm starting to say it's not really crowd safety manager. Yep. I'm starting crossing out safety and saying it's crowd Card- density manager. That's a wording I'm using. Ah. Uh, I'm a crowd density manager because that's what people say. That's what Keith like, still says, through in all of these guys says. It's the density that kills people. That's what Love Parade shows, so you're a crowd density manager. But that's not only it, because it's organizational and a lot of other things. But even if we agree on the definition of it, that doesn't mean that we have agreed on what it takes to be a crowd manager. Mm. And that's going to take years and years and years before we agree on it. And who's supposed to decide it? The police? Well. They are not crowd managers. No. So who's supposed to decide it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 there's no competency within any kind of authority to, yeah. because we're still learning. And how do I know, you know, me 10 years from now will look back on me 2023, go, oh God, she didn't know what she was doing. You know, so there's so much that I don't know. I'm doing the best that I can. And mm. we're, I think we're all doing the best that we can. Um, but there's so much that we don't know. So how can you then determine what classes someone as, you know, let's say if we look at the medical, like as a, a surgeon or a doctor or, um, you know, because you have those sort of remits of, of what you need to be able to demonstrate your competency mm-hmm. in. Um, and, and we don't have those agreed, even that agreed. Um, and if we look at the formal training, which, you know, with the, the masters and the bachelor of science and bachelor, bachelor degrees, which are coming and going, you know, they are changing. but how important they are because you need that formal um, thread of education as well as apprenticeship training experience as well Um, but even that that's just based on what we know now yes what are we going to know in the future that we go god we should have added that because
1: it's such a new industry yeah and and yet if we go back one of the first time that we were talking about crowd safety management was 1980 with Mm. the who um, yeah Paul Wiertheimer wrote in his report that it should be equal terms as uh, everything else, putting in something about managing the crowd. Mm. So it's it's not that new, it's mm. basically 40 uh, something years old, but it's not. Nothing really happened. Then came the accident at Roskilde. That really started a lot of things with uh, knowledge sharing and education and all of these things. And now we are here, and we see Lufthansa, and we see Astro and we see South Korea, and we see all of these things. I and mean, uh, we are not there yet. Yeah. The first security company that were formed was formed back in uh, 1852.
0: 1852.
1: 1852 <laughs> is where you saw the first one. Yeah. And that's uh, that was the Pinkertons uh, Detective Bureau in uh, in America. So the security industry, and we're not talking about armies, which is a security industry. Just talking about private Private security security. as we know it today, is from 1852. I love that. And we are crowd management, and we walk around there, we know everything. Hang on. We are less than 100 years younger, or or more than 100 years younger than the security industry.
0: Wow.
1: No wonder we have a few challenges in understanding when we're talking together. So it, it... I think I think the, it has been some fantastic years. We are developing, we are moving in the right direction. We will keep on getting two steps ahead and then one step back and yeah. sometimes three steps back, but then we move forward again. Yeah. And I think we will see a change in the years to come. I also think we will see a massive amount of people who need to train and mm. need to take the education. Um, that's That's really, it's so needed because yeah. the live industry mm. is a big industry, Yes. and it is our role to protect it, basically. And it's our role to make sure that the promoters understand that, that it's our role to protect it. And it's not just about protecting the crowd, it's basically f- about protecting the whole industry, and yeah. the client, and their brands, and the artists, and everything, because that's their industry. And look at uh, again live nation, and not making them bad guys or anything like that. They are just so big, so they keep on coming up. Yeah. The amount of legal cases they have against them, yeah, is mm. massive.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, of course, because they did the Manchester Arena thing, uh, Ariana Grande. They did the World because they do a lot of shows. They are so massively big, so they're mm. putting themselves at risk all the time. And this is not about only the proximal risk on site, Mm. it's also about the distal. Is their organization able to do it? Are the worlds that they are coming into when they do touring, are they able to do it? Are we actually really able to understand the different cultures when you move around? Mm. So years ahead, it's going to be very interesting, I think, and then at some point I'm going to retire. (laughs) <laughs> In twenty-something <laughs> years, and, uh... but
0: not before you you do do everything that you are doing um, to to make this industry safer, and, and it's a really great to. Listen to you, Morton, and, and, and learn from you and, uh, and watch likewise. what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> thank you then, in, in Rosgilde. Uh, so, um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Now, um, we're going to
1: go listen to uh, something about crowd communication. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and follow the show for more episodes to come. If you would like to learn more about crowd safety and improving the events industry, you can visit my website and blog at isamurphy.com.